calling Vision Sunday, uh, an opportunity uh, for me to share with you what I believe God has laid on my heart uh, for Rooted Fellowship, uh, how He wants to, to lead us through this year, 2017, here in the city of Pretoria. And then we spoke last week and beyond uh, that God is doing something more amazing than I could ever imagine. Um, and all that we're doing is being obedient and faithful to Him. Uh, and so last week we spoke about being uh, Rooted Fellowship, a city on a hill. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that we want uh, to display the beauty and the glory of God to our city and beyond, to this nation and to this continent, that there are so many people who are in desperate need of a Savior, and we get to participate in what God is doing, that He is on mission, and He invites us to be a part of that. So now this week, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this idea of making disciples. So at Rooted Fellowship, uh, we say that we're about three things. We are gospel-centered, disciple-making, and transcultural. And we're going to kind of cover all three of these in the next couple, couple of weeks. But, but this morning, I want to focus on this idea of this beautiful truth, this command of making disciples. I mean, you can go to any church, and they'll, someone will come up and, and talk about how we are called to make disciples. But here's the reality is that many churches, and I might even include Rooted, we don't really make disciples. We're not really uh, being obedient to this great commission that God has given us to make disciples. And so I, I just I thought, you know what, I don't want to be known as the church that says we do this, but then actually doesn't. And so the question is, so how, then we, how do we practically make disciples? How are we going to practically make disciples? It's easy to say it, but, but how are we going to do it? When we walk out of these, uh, these doors here, how are we going to do it in our everyday living where we live, work, and play? And so I said, well, if I think about discipleship or making disciples, I think about four E's, all right? I think about four E's. This is the process of making disciples that we are called to evangelize, establish, equip, and then export. Evangelize, establish, equip, and then export. So if we are to make disciples, that means that we're taking people from unbelief to belief. Look, there's no secret here, guys. I, I, I want this place to be a safe place where you can feel that you can belong long before you believe, but, but I want you to believe. I want to see people moving from unbelief to belief. And so how do we do that? By evangelizing, by proclaiming the gospel. And so we are to evangelize. And then as God does the work that he does, as he transforms the human heart, we want them to be established in the gospel, to find their identity in Christ. And then we want to equip them. We want to make sure that they have everything that they need to, to live in this broken world. We want to equip them with the gospel. And then lastly, we want to export them. We want to send them out. Because some of you may not stay here at Rooted Fellowship. Some of you may not even stay in Pretoria. But, but wherever you go, I want to make sure that you're going with the gospel. The beauty and the power of the gospel. We want to export you. That's discipleship. That's how I see it in the scriptures. That's how I see Jesus walking with 12 men. He gives them the great commission. I think the problem is so often we treat this great commission as the great suggestion. That it's suggested to us that if you have time in your schedule, then make disciples. We don't realize that, that if you are a Christian, then you must make disciples. It's, it, the making of disciples is evidence that you are a Christian. We're called to make 
disciples. Discipleship is not an offer that man makes to Christ. It's not something that we come up with and go, listen, I've got this great idea, Jesus. This is how we can multiply this thing. Let's make disciples. No, Jesus is already making disciples and then he invites us to come and be a part of that. And so to unpack this this morning, I'm going to go to Matthew 28. Many of us know this passage. If you've been a Christian for a while or you've been around church for a while, this is a well-known piece of scripture. It's the Great Commission. It's where Jesus tells his disciples, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. And so I'm going to read it, Matthew 28. From verse 16, if you have your Bible, you can meet me there. It'll be up on the screen as well. I'll read it to us and then, and then I'll pray and then we'll get to work. So hear these words of our Father. Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love that. I love that. That some doubted. This makes it real. Like I, I feel like Matthew was like, I'm not going to lie to people. Because if you want to grow something, you don't, tell, you don't tell people that, listen, there were some who doubted. When this thing first started, there were some who doubted. You don't say that. But Matthew wanted to keep it real. He's like, listen, man, some of us were like, oh, I don't know. Uh, yes, maybe Peter and John were like, listen, we're in this. Jesus is here. He's going to tell us something amazing. We were already told that Thomas was doubting. He was like, nope, don't believe that Jesus came back from the dead. Want to see the holes. So, th- so there were some people who had gathered and just like, man, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I love it. It's okay for some of us to doubt. It's okay for some of us to doubt. But notice that that doesn't bother Jesus. Jesus doesn't freak out. He just continues. Verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now listen, if you're a Christian, if Jesus says that, you should be able to go, you know what, I don't care what comes after that. I really don't care what comes after that. Because all authority has been given to, like, Jesus, you could say whatever. You could say whatever because all authority has been given to you. But Jesus is specific. He says, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is rich, that it is active, that it continues to move and change lives. And so I ask that you would do that very thing this morning, that you would meet us where we are, that many of us are coming in just in different places. Meet us where we are. Show us through your word our desperate need for you, that even as we talk about making disciples, would you show us that we can only do that when we are anchored in you. And so, Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. These are the words of Billy Graham. If you know Billy Graham, he was a a famous evangelist, an incredible man. Preached the gospel and thousands of people came to Jesus. But then he says this. It's more than just conversion. 
It's more than just conversion. It's about, about growing and becoming more and more like Christ. This is discipleship. This is what we call discipleship, the making of disciples. You see, the relationship between a disciple and his teacher is not merely that a, a student is listening to a lecturer or passively interested. A disciple listens with attention and intention. He listens with attention and intention. He drinks in every word of his teacher, marking every word with intense desire to apply what he or she has learned. That's what it means to be a disciple. But let me say this. This is, this is what I, oh, why I think many of us struggle with making disciples. Because everything that I've said up to now, many of you would sit here and go, yep, makes sense, amen. But, but here's why I believe we struggle to make disciples. Is, is that somehow in our journey we, we forget, or maybe we just don't know, that discipleship is costly. Discipleship is costly. It will cost you. The same Billy Graham who said it's, it's more than just conversion says this, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. Discipleship will cost you. Luke 14, verse 25 to 35, Jesus makes this very point. He says this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Those are strong words, but he goes on. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and it is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet those who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, so therefore, anyone, anyone who, you, who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Three times he says, cannot be my disciple. He lays it out because he wants them to know that this is costly. He lays out the, the tests or maybe the requirements of discipleship. You see, Jesus saw a large crowd gathering. At this point, people were, were flocking to him. They were flocking to him. And so he knew that these people believed and he knew that they had accepted his message in principle. Because prior to this, the verses before this, he tells them about this, this beautiful gospel that is freely given and that all you have to do is receive. So he's aware that, listen, they've accepted this message. But now he wants to kind of transition and go, listen, but I'm calling you to something deeper. I'm calling you to something deeper. So he wanted to weed out those who were following him for the wrong reasons. See, some of them wanted to be dazzled by Jesus' miracles, while others came looking for a free meal. 
A few even hoped that he would overthrow Rome and establish God's kingdom. So Jesus saw it necessary to turn to the multitudes and to preach a sermon that deliberately, hear this, deliberately thinned out the ranks. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that. Because we just want to, we want to grow churches. It's about having a thousand people show up. But show up to do what? Show up to do what? Jesus says, I'm calling you to something deeper. And so he says this as, as requirements or as a test to say, listen, this is what it's going to cost you. This is what it's going to cost you. Now, some of you might have seen that and gone, oh my goodness, is he saying that I have to give up my folks? Yes and no. Yes and no. He says that because he wants you to feel the weight of what he's saying. That you're going to have to leave everything. To, to come to Jesus, you're going to have to leave everything. Now, listen, by God's grace, we live in a country where if you become a Christian, it's okay. Maybe some people will think you're uncool. But I mean, no one's going to really persecute you. They'll say things about you. But they're not going to persecute you. But there, there are some places around the world where if you do become a Christian, if you decide, I want to be a disciple, I want to be the disciple of Jesus, your parents will walk away from you. You will lose everything. Business, family, friends, you will lose everything. And so the cost is weighty. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to participate in this thing that I am doing, the making of disciples, I want you to first understand it's going to cost you. Jesus makes it clear that when it comes to personal discipleship, he is more interested in quality than quantity. He is more interested in quality than quantity. He didn't just want abundant addition. I feel like that's what's happening today. Abundant addition. It's just, man, we're just adding and adding and adding. Come, we'll do whatever, uh, whatever. Uh, we'll get the people in the room. Let's just do it. Let's just grow this thing. But we must ask for what purpose? For what purpose? Jesus wanted kingdom multiplication. Kingdom multiplication. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, but now hold on. Won't we reach more people if we can get more people in the room? Like, surely that makes sense, right? And I can understand why you would think that. But, but let me show you something. Let's do some maths. I'm going to freak out some of you, but you can put that on the screen. So, so let's imagine, right, over a period of, of 16 years, we have an evangelist. So this is an individual who just goes out and, and preaches the gospel and people come to faith. And let's say this guy's really good at it. So, so it's every day. Every day he goes out, one person comes to Christ. But that's it. That's no more engagement. As soon as you come to Christ, he's like, okay, I'm done. That's it. Wait until tomorrow. Go out the next day. Preach the gospel. Person comes to faith. Then that's it. No more engagement. I'm done with you. You have now come to Jesus. It's cool. I'm out of here. He does that every day. And let's say he's really good at it. That's 365 people who come to faith. That's crazy. That's amazing, right? But now let's look at the one who decides to, no, 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 I'm just going to disciple people. I'm going to intentionally spend my time, this, this whole year, with just two people. 
That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to pour into them. As Jesus said, I'm going to teach them that everything that Jesus has commanded, that's all I'm going to do. For that whole year, I'm just going to focus on two people. With the hope that the following year, that those two will then focus on another two. And so you, you see growth. 370, that's bad maths, bro. Should be 730. So say now the evangelist goes, you know what, I'm going to double. I'm going to double what I've been doing. I'm going to double what I've been doing. 730 people in his second year. I mean, that's killer, right? That's like multiple services, another church somewhere else. You are killing it. You will be in every magazine, I'm telling you. Every church or Christian magazine, your face will be on it. And then in two years, that's how you grow the church. But the disciple goes, you know what? I spent two years with these two with the hopes that these two would then go spend the next year with two more people. So, so now there's, there's four. There's only four. Guys, it seems like, listen, we're not winning. Why, why even invest in this? It makes no sense. But let's say the years just keep going, all right? So let's go up to what, year 12, I believe? All right? So, so notice how the evangelist just keeps adding 365 every year. But notice what the disciple does. Intentionally spending time with the next so that the next would do likewise. At year 12, that's when it kind of feels like, okay, I think, I think we're, we're on the same level. Not, I haven't beaten the evangelist yet, but, but we're getting there. At year 12, it feels like, oh man, okay, we've labored, we've been faithful, God's been good, we're close. But after, after that, the game changes completely. Put up the rest. The game changes completely. Because you can keep, man, you can keep multiplying. Is there another, is there another one after this? All right, so year 16. At year 16, that's when you're like, okay, listen, discipleship was a good choice. All right, like I think it was a good choice. And, and let, me, let, me, let me press you guys a little bit more. Think about it this way. So I've only gone like, like multiplication, multiplication, multiplication. But, but don't forget the guy who had discipled those two, he's now discipling another two. Right? And then those guys continue. So this thing, like, it just expands. We could literally reach the whole world. But somewhere we, we don't think that that's possible. Because it's super slow in the beginning. Super slow in the beginning. And you can get so easily discouraged when you're like, man, I'm only discipling two and there's only four of us now where the guy next door has got like a thousand people. But are they growing? Are they maturing in their faith? Are they being equipped with the gospel? Or have we just made converts so that when anybody shows up and starts talking about all these random things that you can do with petrol, or maybe, hey, it might be a good idea to go eat some grass, then everyone does it. I mean, think about it, guys. Why do you think that happens? It's because people aren't being discipled in the Scriptures. They're not being discipled in the Scriptures. We're just making convert after convert after... What's happening to them? I have no idea, but look at the numbers. Jesus says, I'm calling you to make disciples. I'm calling you to make disciples. He spent three years with 12 men. This is Jesus. He could, I mean, he could have done it in another way that would have been like amazing. But no, he was intentional. 
going to spend three years with 12 men and I'm going to pour into them and they're going to change the world. We sit here because, because of those, those 11, all right? So one didn't make it. So we sit here because of those, those 11. Nobody ever wants to talk about that, that one guy. It's like, it's like that one uncle in the family. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't... But we sit here because 11 men were faithful. Faithful to the Great Commission to go and make disciples. It was slow, but it's effective. But it'll cost us. And so if you're sitting here and you're going, listen, I really want to make disciples. I want to be in a church that makes disciples. I want to make sure that you understand it will cost you. And so it may not cost you your your relationship with your parents or your friends, maybe. But in our context, probably not. It won't cost you your job. So what will it cost you? What will it cost you? Many things. Many things. But I'm going to talk about three real quick. I'm going to talk about three and then we're going to go super practical. Three things that discipleship will cost you. If you're going to enter into this, if you want to be obedient to what Jesus has called us to, it's going to cost you time, space, and heart. It's going to cost you time, space, and heart. Let me explain. It's going to cost you time. Because you're going to need to spend time with the people that you're discipling. See, it's easy to come up here and then preach a great message and it's like, okay, cool guys, cheers, see you next week, and that's it. That's like what? Sunday morning, an hour and a half, depending on how long I'm preaching, maybe two. And then that's it. But then you've got to enter into the week going, listen, I want to intentionally spend time with people to pour into them so that they might see who Jesus is and then live out the gospel. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. You're going to have to look at your calendar and you're going to have to make certain sacrifices. All of a sudden, you can't go to the movies every Friday. Why? Because you're spending that time with the people you're discipling. And the people you're discipling, they need the time. Oh, they need the time. They need to be around you. The question is, are you willing to let go of that? Are you willing to surrender your time to God and say, would you use this for the furthering of your kingdom to make disciples? And I'm seriously asking you that because I don't want you to go, yeah, I'm in. And then it's like, hey, can you? No, I don't have time. I don't have time. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Oh, but God, can, can you fit in my schedule? It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you space. Let me tell you, the best, the best environment to disciple people is in your home. The best place to disciple people is in your home. Now, I'm not saying you can't go to a coffee shop. You should. I can't, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to Tribeca and have amazing ribs with your disciples and worship the Lord. That's not what you should. You should definitely do that. But it's in your home where you are most vulnerable. It's in your personal space where, where people actually get to see the real you. Not the plastic version, Sunday morning, everything is great, question of the day, ooh, life is great. <laughs> it's when you're in your own home, and you're having to pray about a situation that you realize you can't control. 
It's when they see you in that space where people get to go, oh, okay, so that's how the gospel works. That's how you, you navigate the gospel through this particular situation. You're going to have to open up your home, open up your space. Now, it may not be your home. You know where that space is for you, but I want you to invite people to that. Jesus did it. He did it with his disciples. And then if you read, uh, every time he went to go pray, he'd invite three. Say, come with me. Come with me. I want you to see me at my lowest because it's in those moments that I trust in the Father. It's going to cost you space. It's going to cost you heart. It's going to cost you heart. See, when you're in those spaces, your heart opens up. You become super vulnerable. I've spoken about this a few times, the, the, the five levels of the heart. Right? We have cliche, which is level one. That's all of us, right? How are you? Good. Cool. Thanks. Good to see you. Thank you. You look great. Thank you. It's cliche. It's what we always say. And then we move to the next one, which is opinion. When people start asking you questions, and now you're like, okay, I'm opening up a little bit. But we're still not at the, 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 the lowest level of the heart. You're just giving opinions. What do you think about the game this weekend? Yeah, I think my boys are going to win. Cool, that's great. Thanks for sharing. Third level is fact. When you start giving facts, you start being a little bit more real now. Talking about real truths now. You're giving facts. But it's level four and five where I feel like discipleship really works at its best. Four is transparency. Where I'm just now standing here and I'm like, listen, this is me. You see all of me. Now you might think, now surely that's the lowest level, right? If they see all of me. No, no, no. I can show you who I am, but not allow you to enter into that space. Right? I can be like, hey guys, this is, this is how I'm doing. Well, okay, cool, let me help you. Um, the Bible says, no, 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 no. No, I was just sharing how, how like, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for you to say something. Like, hey, can we pray for you? No, no, it's cool, I was just saying, guys. Life is tough. I love transparent people, but in bits. Because it's at that stage where you move from being genuinely transparent to now I'm just complaining. I'm just complaining. And it's like, well, can we help? No, 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 no just, I just want to complain. <laughs> and then the last level is vulnerability. Vulnerability is where you say, you know what? Come and speak into my life. Bring the truth of the gospel into my life. That's where we, be, we truly become salt. I spoke about this last week. We become salt. No one wants salt poured into their wound. It hurts. But we need it because it brings healing. And so it's going to cost you, if you're going to disciple people, it's going to cost you to open up to level five. So that those that you are discipling can see that. Again, this is something that Jesus did. When he was praying, Lord, would you remove this cup from me? He was in distress. He had his disciples with him. You've got to open up. You've got to be vulnerable. Because here's the thing. We live in a culture where people don't always follow what you say. They follow what you do. 
And so you can say, listen, this is what discipleship means. This is how we should do it. This is, this is what, man, I could drop on a chart, level five. This is where we need to be. Okay, great, guys, now go do it. Go make disciples. But it's different when they see it. When they see it. See, I want us to be careful. I want us to be careful to not become travel agent disciples. Why are you guys looking at me confused? I don't want us to become travel agent disciples. Because what, what does a travel agent do? They organize for you to go somewhere, and generally it's to a place that they have never been. Did y'all, did y'all, should I say that again? Did y'all catch that? Travel agents, they, they set up trips for you to go to places where generally they have never been. We try to do that in our discipleship. We try to take people to places that we have never been. You can talk about this is how you share the gospel. But if you've never shared the gospel with your disciples, then how, how are they going to learn? How are they going to see? That's why Jesus found it necessary to spend intentional time with his disciples. They saw him. They saw him pray for the sick. They saw him preach the gospel. They saw him navigate through tricky questions. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. That's, okay, that's how you, okay, cool. And so when Jesus says, now listen, I want you to go and make disciples and go teach everything that I have taught you, everything that you have seen, it's now plain to them. It's like, yeah, yeah, we were there. As opposed to giving you a textbook and going, okay, go read this, now go make disciples. It will never happen. It will never happen. And so I want us to be careful that we do not become travel agent disciples. And let me say this real quick. You might be sitting here and going, you know what, amen, this is brilliant, I want to make disciples. But if you've never been discipled, then you need to take a step back and get into a discipleship relationship. Because you can become very, very dangerous in trying to do something that you have never experienced. And so I'm saying this by in, to invite you in, and I'm going to talk about some things that, that we are going to do as a church to invite you so that you can come and go, okay, I want to be a, a disciple. I want to be a, a disciple. I want to make disciples. I want to see this. I want to experience this. It's going to be super slow, and it's going to cost you. But we can change the world doing this. We can change the world doing this. How are we going to do this? Because this can be overwhelming. It's overwhelming for me when I look at it. How on earth are we going to do this? This requires logistics, planning, people, ambassadors to come and... How are we going to do this? Put Matthew 28 back up again. Jesus ends... By saying this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How are we going to do this? Jesus is with us every step of the way. Jesus will never call us to do something that he has never done himself. And so we can bank on that. We can anchor ourselves on that. He is with us every step of the way. And so we need to remind ourselves of that. Every week we need to remind, when it's tough, we need to say, Jesus is with us every step of the way. He is praying for us. He's interceding for us. And so, Father, we come to you acknowledging that you love us. We see it because the cross is there. 
Jesus, you died on it. You laid your life down. No one forced you to do it. No one conned you into it. You did it on your own. Knowing, knowing fully that it will put you to death. But you didn't stay there. You resurrected. Because you lived a perfect life. The life that we could not live. And not only did you resurrect, but you then ascended and you are now seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, praying for us, engaging with us. And so Lord, I I ask that we would really wrestle with this and ask ourselves, where are we in light of all of this? Did I walk in here, even though I am a Christian, having lived completely different from what you have called me to? Are there areas in my life that are filled with darkness that need your light to shine? Would you do that this morning and shine your light? Make it clear to me that I am in desperate need of a Savior and that Savior is you. And if it's for the first time, what a joy that would be to take a step towards you. It's not easy. It's confusing. I don't have all the the T's crossed and the I's dotted. But I know I'm tired of reaching to all these different things that are not giving life. So I want to reach to you. Father, this time is yours. Meet us where we are. In your name we pray. Amen.